Hello, and welcome to the Legion Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, I'll be discussing the Legion of Superheroes from DC Comics. This is Legion Spotlight number 10, and we're continuing our journey through the Legion of Superheroes stories. We're in 1962, and let's get going. Next up is Some Boys Lost Power from Adventure Comics number 302. This was written by Jerry Siegel with art by John Forte. It was from November 1962. It's about a 12-page story set in the original Legion era. Obviously, it's starring Sun Boy, and guess what? He loses his powers. This is one of those where the name is just right on the nose. But again, they're using that to entice people to, to read the story. So it makes sense. And we get quite a few Legionnaires in here, uh, more so than we actually do in, in some respects. So I'll get to that in a bit. A couple of the Legionnaires, Cosmic Boy, Sun Boy, and Saturn Girl head over to the Metropolis Stadium because they're unveiling statues of the Legionnaires. Apparently they're doing like one every so often or whatever, and this is the first. And it turns out to be a statue of Sun Boy and not only is it a, a really great likeness, be it at like twice the size or something, but they are able to have it, you know, kind of imitate his superpowers of, of radiance and whatnot. Unfortunately, something goes wrong. The podium or whatever the, the statue's on starts to collapse. It's going to crash down on some spectators. So some boy acts fast and melts the statue. Now, I that seems a bit excessive and kind of dangerous because I think falling hot metal doesn't seem any safer, probably less safe than just falling metal. Apparently it's not a magnetic metal, otherwise Cosmic Boy could have done something, but, you know, okay. They've saved the day from faulty engineering of a, a podium for a statue, and of course set back the uh, the statue process by months, because, I mean, it's going to take a little while to get another likeness of some boy, maybe the other statues will be revealed if they're being done in parallel. I don't know if we ever come back to these statues or not. But as they fly away, the power goes out across Metropolis, which is, they say, due to potentially a power plant failure. You'd think in the future they'd have better technology than that. Some boy's like, oh, I'm flying over. I'll, I'll light it up with his body. But he can't. His powers aren't working. And I, they'd never really explain why his powers kind of go out. But the lights in Metropolis turn back on. His powers aren't working. They get back to the clubhouse, we get a, a quick explanation of how some boy had gotten his powers years ago when he was locked into a, an atomic reactor chamber and the bombardment turned him into a quote-unquote human beacon of blazing light and heat, unquote, which I, seems like he should have been the human torch at this point, but yeah, whatever. So it's like the powers have worn off, he must need to re-enter an atomic reactor and get recharged. And uh, Saturn Girl, who's one of the smarter members, is like, you're nuts, don't do it, you could get killed. I mean, she phrases it differently, of course. But some boy, not the best at listening, I guess, decides to go into the reactor chamber in the clubhouse. Again, this is a crazy big interior for a very tiny exterior of a clubhouse. But uh, he's like, yeah, don't, don't raise the power anymore, it's too painful, not working. So his next brilliant idea is to get lowered into an active volcano. And it's not like shooting up lava or whatever, but it's smoking and, and got lava going on. He's like, nope, the heat of the, the volcano is not recharging me. Thought it would. And at this point, they've tried 
man-made heat energy devices, uh, nature uh, heat energy source, didn't work. Maybe his powers are permanently lost. So we get back to the Legion Clubhouse the next day, and a guest entomologist, Professor Harding, is swung by to give a collection of strange insects from other planets to the Legion for some crazy reason. Uh, And, of course, it's to basically give us a clue to how the story's going to resolve. While he's there, his pipe, because, of course, professors always smoke pipes at this point in comics, his pipe goes out, he needs a light, so some boy lights it up. It's like, oh, your powers are back. No, it was just for an instant. Now, when he's doing that, in front of him is this corpse bottle of fairly large lightning bug kind of insects from some alien planet. Now, they're corked bottles that doesn't seem healthy for the insects because they're going to run out of air eventually, but, you know, whatever. Presumably it's somehow magically safe because they're not dead. But this gives a clue that there is hope for some boy getting his powers back. At this point, Ultra Boy, Superboy, and Bouncing Boy arrive, Superboy, from the past for this, this meeting. And, of course, the purpose of the meeting is basically... Some boy can't be a member without superpowers. But you say, oh, wait, wait, I got an idea. Let's use Superboy's heat vision and Ultra Boy's flash vision to recharge me. It's like, okay, you've, you've had two death-defying attempts to, to do this. Let's try a third. So they rig up some kind of reflector device outside the, the clubhouse. The Superboy and Ultra Boy, those two guys, flash their vision onto the thing so it's bounced back onto him through this device. and. It's not working. So, at this point, some boy's like, well, I'll have to resign. And they get back to the meeting, and Cosmic Boy's, you're going to have to get expelled. So you could argue if he's resigned or expelled. It's it's a little unclear to me kind of which happens, so take your pick. But we find out some boy's name is Dirk Morgna, and he's given his nameplate, his figurine, he's got to go clear out his trophies, his other belongings out of the locker and stuff. Kind of a, so sorry, you must go, but rules are rules kind of thing. So he's clearing everything out, gets home, and he's using the Porta monitor, which is a like a little tiny TV set sort of device, to, to monitor what's going on with the Legion. He sees them heading off to go save a, a sinking ship or whatever, and Cosmic Boy saves it with his magnetic powers. Uh, Ultra Boy and Superboy are there. This is relevant later. But there's a knock on the door, and it's Bouncing Boy to take back the Porter Monitor, which is Legion property. He's like, oh, I must have forgotten. I'm so sorry. Gives it back. We then cut to a nearby prison, and we've got Kryniak. Again, some of these names are crazy to pronounce. But anyways, he's a prisoner there. He was put in prison by Sunboy, so it's like, you must be happy he's lost his powers, one of the guards says. As this guy is taking some kind of a pill he got somehow that turns him into a gaseous form, and he just floats out of the prison and such, because bars can't hold gas. Okay, he then hooks up with his gang. They're wearing these kind of black jumpsuits with a purple arrow kind of thing going up on the chest. I don't recall seeing these guys before, but I'd have to see if... Maybe that story we had of some boy before, if this is the same guy or not. I didn't think to check that before recording. Oh, well. I need to take better notes on some of this. Anyways, he's escaped. He's gotten back with his cronies. Some boy is out, again, still in full costume, because sure, why not? Doing a, a late-night walk. Kraniak comes out and using light flashes and fireballs, kind of torments some boy, but isn't trying to kill him, but just 
basically it's like, hey, I'm going to go destroy your buddies in the Legion and there's nothing you can do about it. Ha ha ha. He didn't laugh, but you get the idea. Some boy heads over to Legion and warns them the next day. And then he goes off on a one-man rocket ship to the planet Lerna. And it's famed throughout the universe. It's basically kind of a zoo planet, I guess, because it's got all kinds of, of crazy creatures from other planets and such, including Kryptonian flame beasts that hatched there from eggs that were once deposited there. And he gets there, he finds a bunch of stuff, different animals and stuff, but what he's looking for is this Kryptonian flame beast. I don't know if they've established that before, if it's a first appearance of that or not. He shoots it with a ray gun. Now, again... It's not going to hurt this thing. It's Kryptonian. It's got powers and such. Uh, whether it's got superpowers and such, I don't know. But at least the ray gun's not going to hurt it. And it basically gets ticked off. And when it uses its flame breath on Sunboy, that reactivates his powers. And he's like, oh, I'm so happy. He's going to head back to Earth and have a surprise showdown with this guy who's going to torment the Legion because of, of Sunboy. He gets there, it's raining near the superhero clubhouse, because of course this is a plot point in a moment. Kryniak shows up, he's got a freeze ray projector, he's freezing the rain above the superhero clubhouse in this huge iceberg, so it'll go fall and crush it, and of course some boy melts the thing before it can happen. He then melts the freeze ray projector, because, you know, it's some boy, what's he going to do but melt things? He then toasts the, uh, the villains a little bit, so they surrender. They get picked up by the, I guess at this point it'd still be the Worldwide Police, they're not named, but Saturn Girl's like, how did you get your powers back? Some boy's like, remember when I was able to, to temporarily do it? He realized those glowing fireflies were near, and they momentarily recharged him, so he needed the heat energy from a living being to restore his sun powers. And that's why he sought out the flame beast of Krypton and stuff, tormented it into attacking him, and that's what recharged him. And Cosmic was like, wait a sec, wait a sec. We tried with Superboy and Ultra Boy to do this with their heat vision and flash vision. They're living beings. Explain that. And this is one of those stories where it's a figure out the the mystery of the story. What have the, the writers hinted at but not flat out told you? And again, we've already gotten the callback on the Fireflies. Now we get the callback on uh, Superboy and Ultra Boy. And it turns out they're not humans. Now, technically, Superboy is a Kryptonian, but they're not living. And this goes back to the scene through the porta monitor of them saving the ship. Cosmic Boy's magnetic powers pulled in Ultra Boy and Superboy out of formation because they must be magnetic. And it turns out, yep, they're robots. He opens the chest plate. We see the little reel-to-reel -reel tapes because, again, this is the 60s. I chalk that part up to storyteller interpretation. That's how computers worked at that point. That's how robots must work. So... The question then is, why didn't the robots tell us they were robots? Some boy fixes some of the, the computery stuff, the tapes that appear damaged or whatnot, and then the, the robots tell their story that Superboy was joined by Ultra Boy in the past so they could celebrate Pete Ross's birthday. They've got this huge cake they're flying in. They fashion robots after themselves to send to the superhero club meeting, saying, hey, explain you're sitting in for us. Now, granted, Superboy already had Superboy robots, but as far as I know, this is the first appearance of an Ultra Boy robot, because we haven't had that many appearances of Ultra Boy so far, so it's gotta be. They hit some kind of storm in the time stream coming into the future that somehow damaged both of them in a way that they couldn't reveal they were robots to the team, and that's why the, the Flash Vision and Heat Vision didn't recharge 
some boy, they weren't living things. It was another artificial source. So now that some boy has regained his powers, he's able to rejoin the Legion. So there's a couple of interesting things about this story. First off, some boy throughout has a dash between the son and the boy. This later gets dropped. This is another story, as was the case with the two previous issues of Adventure Comics, where the Legion is stated to be in the 21st century, not the 30th century. Again, I chalk that up to storyteller interpretation. They get some of the stuff wrong. We get the first time somebody leaves the Legion. Uh, You could argue resignation, expulsion. I'm going to go with kind of both in my notes, but personally I see it more as a resignation. He's he's leaving under good-ish reasons. I mean, they obviously wanted him back at the end. It's also the first time somebody rejoins the Legion. So we get, obviously... Sun Boy, throughout this story, it's it's really his story. Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl play large roles in this. Bouncing Boy shows up. Uh, Chameleon Boy makes a cameo at the end. Pete Ross makes a cameo. Superboy and Ultra Boy both do and don't show up. In the future time, they're robots. We do see two panels of them in the past, so they're actually in the story. But this is kind of an interesting one. Again, it's a, a very Legion-focused story, but we do have Kryptonian showing up to, I don't say anchor it in the DCU, but to, to help get the readers to warm up to the Legion if they haven't already. So again, it was a 12-page story. Really, it's down to 11 when you take out that ad at the end and that, that kind of interior cover image, if you will, title image. I'm not sure what to call that, but Again, fun story. I don't know if they come back to this aspect of some boy kind of needing to be recharged later or not. It'll be interesting to see if they do. I do know there's another one where we come back to his origin story in the 80s and whatnot. Another point about uh, the 1980s in this era of Adventure Comics. In Adventure Comics 491, it went to a digest format. And I forget exactly when, but they started reprinting Legion stories, one or two per issue of that digest, because they were like 80 or 100 page uh, long digest issues. So, while not all of these issues are on DC Universe Infinite yet, this is one of the ones that I know I'd read, I think, back in the day, because I was getting those digests, and I was just loving the Legion stuff they were doing back then. So, some of these stories have been reprinted numerous times, including in some of, I think, the Legion omnibus and stuff like that. If you're looking for where some of these are reprinted, I'm not really tracking that, but over on the Grand Comic database, they do have all that information, and that's one of the main sources I'm using for when these came out, who was the writer and artist, because they're not crediting them on the stories. So, great resource, worth checking out. So, once again, that was Sunboy's Lost Power from Adventure Comics 302. Next up is The Fantastic Spy from Adventure Comics number 303. This was written by Jerry Siegel with art by John Forte. We've got a 12-page story here that came out in December 1962. Now, the kind of cover, title, panel, whatever you want to call it, is suggesting that there's a traitor in the Legion. They've got to find out who the spy is, and they're already distrusting one another. And that's, again, evocative of what the story is, but not part of the story itself. Once again, this story is being listed as being in the 21st century versus the 30th. I'll try to be keeping an eye out for when that officially changes. The story starts with Cosmic Boy and Brainiac 5 going to a hospital to visit 
Lightning Lad and Sunboy, who were injured when their rocket crash landed earlier that day. And there's a famous scientist, or uh, actually a doctor, I guess, Dr. Landro, who's going to be doing fourth-dimensional surgery on them, but they can see them before that surgery happens. And we get a couple of... They, they like tossing out futuristic devices and such. So we get movie goggles for Lightning Lad, which seem to be kind of a virtual reality sort of thing. Maybe not. Not sure. And then some boy gets to look at a hollow jewel ring from Brainiac 5 that's got descendants of microscopic creatures his great-great-great-grandfather Brainiac shrunk down. And Brainiac 5 is feeling the guilt of being the descendant of such a wicked person and such, but this is all to set up Brainiac 5's kind of backstory and grounds for why he might be a traitor, given that's what the whole story is about. We get a couple of panels on how this doctor is doing this fourth-dimensional surgery on uh, some boy in, in Lightning Lad, and the fourth dimension being used isn't like time or anything, but like a other orthogonal dimension to do invasive surgery without having to do any incisions or whatever. And he's putting curative capsules inside of some boy's ankle and Lightning Lad's knee, and it'll take a couple of days, but that'll cure them magically somehow. And it's it it's interesting that he's using forceps that he's obviously holding, but the other end is like intangible or whatever. Given Phantom Girl exists and such, I'm wondering why they didn't kind of tie this into that sort of a thing or not. There are a couple of places where I think they could try to tie stuff into the abilities of different worlds and such like that, and they don't, which I just find kind of interesting, but not too surprising. A week later, Lightning Lad and Sunboy are back at a Legion meeting. They're getting introduced to Matter Eater Lad, who's being... Uh, inducted into the Legion that day, and his power is that of... They, they don't actually name it like Super Eating or whatever, but as all of his planet of Bismol can do, he can eat anything without being harmed. Now, we'll find out a ways later that's not 100% true. There is something he winds up eating that does kind of harm him, but generally speaking, his power is to, to eat anything. And it's like, oh, if they get, you know, imprisoned or something, he can eat their way to freedom. And it's kind of a ludicrous power, but it's not like Bouncing Boy was all that serious either. Now, at this point, and Cosmic Boy is leading these meetings, so he's presumably the, you know, president of the Legion or whatnot at this point. He's saying that the Science Police Commission has asked them to guard a shipment of, of Energite, uh, valuable mineral and stuff, asks for some volunteers, gets Lightning Lad and Bouncing Boy. They volunteer. Now, first off, Science Police Commission... This is the first mention of the science police in any way, shape, or form. I don't think it has solidified as to what we will know it to be a little later, but it seems to be replacing the, the worldwide police. If not, I mean, they don't flat out say that, but it, it kind of seems to be the case. Could be a parallel organization, I don't know. But when Lightning Lad and Bouncing Boy get to where they've got to go pick up this, this Energite that's disguised as a Sputnik craft, it turns out there's this huge space creature that seized it and is flying off, but it turns out that it is actually a, a ship disguised as that that's just outracing the Legionnaire's craft. They can't follow it. Well, the, the science police basically tells them that the only people who knew that we were going to have the thing out there disguised that way was the Legion, so there must be a traitor in the Legion. Figure it out. And using, again, some of their future technology, they use their anti-spying indicator. 
And this handy dandy technology basically starts yellow. And if there's a microphone hidden in the clubhouse, it turns to red. Why they don't always have that on, I don't know, but whatever. So they've, they've ruled out listening devices. And Mad Reader Lad's worried that since he's the new member, people are going to suspect him. And Cosmopo's like, ah, oh, no, no, we can't have a traitor. There's something else going on. So he turns off the lights for the rest of the meeting, figuring if there's a camera hidden in the room and they're doing lip reading, this will thwart that. Because they know there's no microphone. So we get these panels where it's basically silhouettes in place of the art, which is a little annoying. Although the background shows up clear as day, which is kind of hilarious. And they've got this mission also coming from the science police, I believe, of there's this doomsday bomb that they've got to deliver via an Earth tube. Because if it went by plane to the other side of the planet and something happened, it could destroy an entire continent. Here, if it gets detonated or whatever, it would only just destroy the tube car and, of course, everyone in it. So Cosmic Boy and Chameleon Boy are going to take this. I'm not sure if this Earth tube is the same sort of thing that was in Supergirl's, one of her attempts to join the Legion or whatnot. It may be. I need to go reread that and see if I can tie those two things together. Again, I'm still trying to figure out a good way to take notes on all of this, because there's a lot going on in this. So Cosmic Boy and Chameleon Boy decide to pose as a honeymooning couple, having won a contest for the Earth Tube to to get from one side of the planet to the other, and they're going to smuggle the tiny doomsday bomb, basically in a a passenger conveyance. That seems wonderful. So they do that, and they hit the part of the transit where everyone's got to swallow freeze pills that freeze them solid as they go through the Earth's molten center. And I'm like, wow, that seems like a safe kind of way to travel. Well, they get through that, they thaw out, and they realize the Doomsday Bomb is gone. Now, nowhere in the story do they ever explain how that happened. And, I mean, the the, the other thing, it's like, okay, somebody found out where this energyite or whatever was going to be, and they got there first. Fine, great. But if everyone's frozen solid in this point going through the Earth tube thing, how does it get stolen? So I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled by that. But they get back, and at their next meeting, they're going to don mind helmets. And Saturn Girl confirms that even her telepathy can't read their minds because of the delirium metal these things are made of scramble the thought waves. It's like, okay, kind of handy. Not the greatest looking helmets, but, you know, hey, they are what they are, but they're doing this because now nobody can read their minds or control them. They've ruled out microphones, they've ruled out cameras, so it must be mind-reading sort of a thing doing this. Either way, they're going up against this time Meglaro, evil alien who's got mental powers and was going to take over the Earth, but he's in this, like, sphere or whatever, which gave him the, the super mind powers, but it also put him asleep for a while. So he's been imprisoned, but they're afraid he's going to wake up at any time. So what they're going to do is they're going to take him and transport him to 100 million AD or something, where the sun's dying, the planet's uninhabited, he can't harm anyone there. So just kick him down to the end of the timeline. So they're doing that. Some boy's having some problems with his ankle. A flying saucer flies by. It hits the Legionnaires with an illegal Z-ray, whatever that is. But it manages to dissolve their Lurium helmets, and Meglero hops in the ship and flies away. And I don't... Well, we do find out what happens to him later, I believe. But even after all the precautions, again, it points to a traitor in the Legion. Because otherwise, even if somebody knew to go meet up with 
Megalero at that time and place, they wouldn't have known they were going to be wearing Delirium helmets and have been prepared for that. So Brainiac 5 is using this probe viewer to see if there's anything suspicious. And he's like, no, but I'm sure the guilt detector will tell us. I just need to figure out a formula so it'll work on all the Legionnaires. Because again, they're different races, different species in some cases. And so he's starting to, you know, figure out the, the mathematical formula for this. When I first read it, I thought it was like a, you know, chemical formula. But he's, again, scribbling stuff down. Because again, pen and paper, future, go figure. At this point, Matter Eater Lab's like, well, what if Brainiac 5's turned Renegade? And of course, uh, Legionnaires aren't having much of that. At which point, uh, Brainiac 5 has finished the formula for the guilt ray detector, reveals it's Matter Eater Lad, that's the traitor, but Matter Eater Lad is able to eat through the metal bars blocking the escape corridor and escapes. Okay, I have no idea what they need an escape corridor for in this, this superhero clubhouse, but they got it, that's what's going on, it Again, doesn't make a ton of sense, but that's what happens. And if they had this guilt detector, why not just use that to, to start with? But as he's he's flying off, Matter is like, hey, these accusations are totally untrue, but I'm out of here. And Cosmic Boy takes that as, as proof Matter Eater Lad is guilty. If you're not guilty, why run? But the problem is their reputation with the science police is totally washed up, which is a problem because they were going to have one of the, the career-defining moments for the Legion of basically guarding the universe's greatest treasures on Umrax for 24 hours, where it is now, before it gets moved. But they're discredited. They're not going to get the thing. Brainiac 5 says, I'm going to go track down Matter Eater Lad. It's all his fault. And Legion is, of course, egging him on. Now, a few hours later, Brainiac 5 comes back with Matter Eater Lad, but no, no, he's not the traitor. No Legionnaire was. And Brainiac 5 explains that it was Sunboy, who's again about to go after uh, Matter Eater Lad at this point. He was the, the key to all of this. He was the initial clue. It was his ankle that was bothering him, because it turns out that what Brainiac 5 had seen using this probe viewer, when he, he looked at the, the stuff magnified or whatever, was that curative capsule that had been inserted into Sunboy's ankle had a tiny little guy with a a communications thing. They call it a radio apparatus, but um, figuring that's, again, storyteller interpretation. But it was placed in at microscopic size. This guy was somehow listening into what was going on, radioing the people. So again, no microphone, but there is a transmitter going on, and they never did look for a transmitter, which maybe they should have. And they figured Dr. Landro, who did all the surgery, is is in cahoots with people, getting the information and, and causing the problems. So... Brainiac 5 theorizes that Dr. Landro used one of Brainiac's shrinking rays to shrink down a regular-sized guy in a huge capsule down to microscopic size to implant it into Sunboy. And, again, that's how all of this worked. Now, I say theorized because Shrinking Violet is around at this point, and like all natives of Ismic, the planet she's from, they all have super shrinking powers. So it could have just been an, a spy from that planet. But the... The quote-unquote formula that Brainiac was writing down was a note to Matter Eater Lab of, hey, pretend to escape when I accuse you, I'll explain later. They do that, and the whole bit with the, the great treasures on Umrax was a it was just a, a trap to lure in the villains. Because what only the Legion knows is that planet has a, an atmosphere that renders people unconscious when they land there. Except Superboy, being Kryptonian, is immune to that, and Brainiac 5 had called Superboy in, to go grab the people when they got there. 
and that's what also rendered Megalaro unconscious again, so Superboy could fly him into the distant future as they had originally planned. So Superboy shows up in this, but literally in a two-panel cameo, having his own adventure kind of behind the scenes almost. And, you know, Slumboy feels bad. He'd been acting kind of like a Trojan horse. They get him in for some more surgery to get the fake capsule replaced with a real one. Cosmic Boy takes the real capsule. They've got an experimental enlarging ray that only has enough charge for one use, but they use it to enlarge the guy and arrest him for espionage. And this allowed Brainiac 5 to solve the crime which was committed using one of his ancestors' evil shrink rays and such. So this is another one of those stories that's arguably a mystery story, but feels to me more like a almost a reading comprehension quiz. Can you see the clues that the writers and creative team have laid down and kind of solve the puzzle of the story before the end of it? And for what it is, it's not bad. Again, it's a 12-page story. We've got about a third of a page ad on that last page. And then that first page, about two-thirds of it is kind of that title image or whatever. So it's, it's, you know, 11 pages and a lot's happening here. And again, they're tossing out devices and gimmicks left, right, and center in these stories. But like I said, it is the first appearance of the science police. Matter Eater Lad joins the Legion. Arguably, he is that guy from the secret origin of Bouncing Boy back in Adventure Comics 301. I don't think it's an ironclad. Yep, it's absolutely him because he doesn't mention that. It's just he's he's joining, so he must have tried out. If they only allow one person per year, it's probably him, so it makes sense. But it could have just as easily been another guy, and there's another story in between that we just haven't haven't found out about yet. But quite a few of the Legionnaires show up here. I think the power set they're giving a few of them, again, super bouncing, ability to eat anything, not really standard superpowers, but are kind of cool nonetheless. So once again, that's the Fantastic Spy from Adventure Comics number 303. And that finishes off the stories for 1962, so next time around, we'll dive into the stories from 1963. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.